you would, turn in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 54. Isaiah 54. And we are going to begin reading verse number 1. Isaiah 54, verse 1. Sing, O barren, you who have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. Hmm. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. So enlarge the place of your tent. And let them stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Verse 4 says, Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. Neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. Because for your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. For the Lord has called you like a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit like a youthful wife. When you were refused, says your God. The title of my message today is Born of the Father. You know, we live in a hurried time. Everyone is always in a rush. Seems like everyone is always behind schedule. Personally, I used to always be on time. Then I married Starla. <laughs> Haven't been on time since. Now, she's not in here, but that's one thing that she would agree with me on. She is challenged a little bit, not only vertically, but also when it comes to the clock. But you know, let's be honest, we live in a microwave society. We want it now. But you know what? what sadly, is that, that includes our spiritual lives as well. See, it's not good enough that God has made us promises. The book is full of promises to each one of us as believers in Christ, but that's not good enough because we want to see the end result of those promises by, well, say this afternoon. But you see, God's ways are not our ways. And he has his own methods to these crazy times in which we live. See, we ask him for oak trees, but what does he do? He answers with an acorn. See, the reason is because God is the God of seed. And he knows that in the acorn is the oak tree. That's right. And so that means, what that means is that we have to be perceptive enough to understand when and how God answers us. And that means that words are powerful. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. 
If a word goes out, do you realize it is going to produce something? And do you also realize that everyone in this room this morning is a result of a word? Whether you are moving towards positive things or whether you are still bound by old issues in your life? You see, if you're wounded today, you're wounded over words. Those things that have been said, the attitudes of people we respect, have left us scarred and fragmented emotionally. See, people who wrestle with issues in their lives today are still wrestling with things that were spoken back in their childhood. A harsh word spoken to a child planted in the room of their mind produces an adult with a lack of self-esteem. Or in regards to our character, we're dealing with things that were birthed through the words that were spoken back in our past. And so when God gets ready to break that pattern, when God gets ready to recycle us of all things, He chooses the foolishness of preaching. Of all things He could have done, He chooses preaching. So here you are, your life is in shambles, your finances are wrecked, your confidence destroyed, and you've gone through all types of self-help programs. Perhaps you've even gone through professional counseling searching for the answer. And then finally, when nothing else seems to help, God uses some man or some woman using, of all things, more words. They don't have to touch you. They don't have to inject you with any kind of medicine. They just preach God's words. I don't know, something about just someone telling you that you can be more than you are, but yet being told through the power of the Holy Spirit that can give you the tenacity to get up from where you've been. The foolishness of preaching can deliver an addict from the drugs and renew their mind. The foolishness of preaching can take the craving for alcohol and nicotine out of your system immediately. The foolishness of preaching can take a marriage on the rocks and renew it without the help of Dr. Phil. Just a word from God. And His words are life. You see, God's word is His seed, and whenever He gets ready to re reproduce, He does it by the power of His word. If He speaks a word, whatever He speaks to, it will be changed forever. Whether it it's when he says, let there be light. Or when he says, Lazarus, come forth. If God speaks the word, there will be deliverance. And if his word ever gets in you, it will bring forth life. Now, it can get around you and you might get away. It can get on you and you might get loose. But if his word ever gets down inside of you, you will be changed. Now, you might deviate, you might fall, you might falter, you might get into something that you shouldn't have gotten into. But if his word ever gets down in your spirit, it's there to stay. Because Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says, the callings of God are irrevocable. Never discount the word of God in your life. You see, the Pharisees, they didn't mind Jesus coming into their city. They just didn't want Jesus to preach in their city. You see, because if he started preaching, he would turn the place upside down. Because who else but Jesus could stand on the seashore and preach until 10,000 people would rather go without food than miss his message.
Today, if a preacher preaches over 20 minutes, everyone's stomach starts growling. They've got to get up and leave because they're hungry. If Jesus went to a house, people would pack in it so tight that if a sick man needed to be healed, his friends in desperation would have to carry the man across the roof, tear a hole in the roof, and then lower the sick man down to be able to be in the presence of Jesus. And so you see, when, when Jesus preached, the Pharisees couldn't do anything about it because whenever Jesus said something was going to happen, it surely came to pass. William Cullen Bryant said, truth crushed to earth will rise again. And friend, when God has spoken a word in your spirit, for any number of reasons, it may be smashed all the way to the ground, but God sent me today to tell you, just wait. Just wait. Because it will rise up again. It will surely come to pass. Now, I don't know what your it is. But every believer in Christ has an it. You know that thing that God spoke to you in the recesses of your heart. That thing that God spoke to you during your midnight hour. That thing that he spoke to you that you just can't get away from. It is going to happen. That thing that he spoke that gave you power to get up out of the mess that you were in, it will come to pass. That thing, that dream, that thought, that idea that kept you alive when the devil was trying to kill you, God has not changed his mind. It will still come to pass in your life. God told Abraham in Genesis chapter 17, verse 4, My covenant is with you. And you shall be the father of many nations. See, God was talking to Abraham about a multitude of blessings before Abraham ever had his first child because God calls those things that are not as though they are. Then you fast forward to Genesis chapter 22. And after Abraham had offered his only son, Isaac, to God, well, God says in verse 17, blessings I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. Now you need to understand that the sand is a symbolic, is symbolic of Israel. The people born out of the loins of Abraham who stood in covenant relationship with God. And the stars are the church, which is the seed of Abraham by faith through Jesus Christ, who God has raised up to sit together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And friend, God is so serious about his seed that when he talks, he talks about it differently than we do. You know, we want to... We wanna, talk about what's going on with us, what's happening on the job, what's happening with the family. But God wants to talk about what will be. And so what happens is sometimes there's a communication problem because we want to complain about what is while God wants to tell us what will be. You see, because God knows that nothing that is is going to be able to stop what he has said will be in your life. 
And he'll talk to you about sands of blessing. He'll talk to you about stars of blessings before you have your first baby because he knows the effectiveness and the power of his word. God will talk to us about those things that we have such difficulty getting our heads around. You see, that's because God is looking at where you're going before you ever get there. Why? Because he's been keeping a record of your unborn promises since before you were born. Now you may be sitting there and you're wondering, Mike, yeah, we're listening to you, but I mean, could you please tell us what this has to do with our text? Okay, we'll get there in a minute. Hang with me. See, God told Abraham, so shall your descendants be. But yet, when God got ready to fulfill his word to Abraham, he waited until everything in Abraham had shut down. No water in the radiator, no gas in the... Well, you know what I'm talking about. But you see, when Abraham could not produce a seed, that's when God gave him a seed. Now, see, our culture limits us in understanding our text today because it's written about women who want to be pregnant while we live in a society of women who don't. So our culture limits us from understanding how fervently every Israelite woman wanted to have a baby. See, women in the Bible who were pregnant were proud because every time a woman had a baby, she felt like she was helping the miracle of God happen. And she would say, this is one of the sands of the seashore in my belly. This is one of the stars of heaven in my womb, and I'm helping to bring God's promise to Abraham to pass. And so they wanted to be pregnant. I guarantee you they weren't trying to pass legislation so they could kill their babies. They wanted to be pregnant so much that if a woman was barren, she would lay on the altar like Rachel, who said in Genesis chapter 30, verse 1, give me a child or else I die. You know, I can't understand people who come to church week after week shackled by the chains of spiritual barrenness. They are comfortable in the rut of their spiritual mediocrity. But we need people who are so thirsty to produce the promise of God that we say, Lord, give me the promise or I will die. I'm not going to be satisfied just to go to church and clap my hands and sing and go back home. I want something to pass through me that's greater than me and that's everlasting and that's eternal. I want to do something with my life, Lord, that will last. Lord, give me your promise. Church, we need to cry out to God, there is a promise in me. There is a dream in me. There is a hope in me. There is a calling. There is a gift. There is a ministry. There is a peace. There is a healing. There is a deliverance in me. And whatever I've got to go through, I am willing to go through it. But you've got to be careful. You've got to be careful because people don't understand when you get like that. So that means if you want to try to fit in with people, you probably ought to slip out now. 
If you're worried about people who, who like you and who don't like you and who understand you, don't understand you, you better leave while you can because God in this last day wants to raise up a people who don't care what they say and don't care what they think. We want the promise no matter what. I know there is something in me and I've got to get it out. I know that I'm called. I know that I've got to produce. I know that there's God's power in me and I am not satisfied to sit on the sideline. I've been hit, I've been beat, I've got the scar to prove it, but it's still in me and I want to get it out. See, when you understand everything that Jesus has done for you, there is a seed that is so strongly implanted in your spirit that nothing you go through will be able to take it away. In spite of everything you've been through, the question is today, do you still have hope? Do you still have expectation? Do you still have that dream that God planted in your spirit? You still have the vision that he gave you at that special time. See, the devil is mad right now because he did everything he could to make you abort God's promise. But I want you to know the devil is a liar. And he will fill your mind full of things that aren't true, that are not from God. Because your promise is from heaven on high, and it's going to happen. Nothing you've been through will deter what God has spoken in you. It will come to pass. In 1 Samuel, Hannah ran to God and began to wail like a drunk woman. She said, Lord, I want to have a baby. But the Bible says her womb had been closed. Listen, if you're going to get something from God, you can't be sophisticated. If you're going to get him to open up a door for you, there comes a time in your life that you can't worry about your mascara. Or you can't worry, sir, about trying to sit back and look cool. You just got to cry out to God. Hannah staggered like she had been drinking, and it shocked Eli the priest. See, because the church isn't used to people who are drunk with a hope and a dream and a calling from God. And Hannah was willing to be different to get what she wanted from God. So the question today is, how bad do you want it? Do you want it bad enough that you're willing to be criticized? Do you want it bad enough that you're willing to be talked about? How bad do you want your healing? How bad do you want your miracle? How bad do you want your prophecy to come to pass? Hannah said, hey, baby, bring it on, whatever it takes. But we don't see that in the church anymore. We're too refined. We're too cute. We're too reserved. That is unless C.D. Lamb is tiptoeing down the sidelines at the Cotton Bowl. We're not reserved then. It is a shame. It is a shame across this Midwest how many people were up just absolutely bat crazy during that game yesterday, and today they're sitting in church just like this. Am I lying? And the question is, how many times are you guilty of that? And how many times am I guilty of that? Yeah. 
shouldn't step on toes like that. <laughs> so how bad do you want what God has for you? Hannah laid on the altar until she made a deal with God, and God gave her a baby. And when we forget about people, when we forget about what's going on around us, and it's just us and God, that's when it will happen. Hannah had to go through some changes, but it happened. She had to break some rules, but it happened. She had to be criticized even among the saints, but it happened. She had to be rejected even among people who were supposed to understand her, but God brought it to pass. And she received her promise, and she got happy, and she began to worship. Listen, when you come through a lot and God blesses you, it is impossible for you not to praise him unless you forget what he's done for you. If I don't let anyone make me feel bad about praising God, you can sit back and look important if you want to, and maybe it's because you didn't have to go through what I went through to get where I am today. But I get excited when I think about what the Lord has done for me, and I thank God for everything the Lord has done for me. I don't know about you, but he blessed me when others said it wouldn't be done. He blessed me when they said I didn't deserve it. And they were right, I didn't deserve it. But I'm going to thank God anyway because he did it. Yeah. Yeah. Hannah began to praise her God. In 1 Samuel 2, 1, she says, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I, I That can't be right. Fran, you got the wrong um, um, translation up there. Surely God doesn't expect us to smile at my enemies. Friend, let me tell you something. When you get full enough of the Holy Ghost, you will smile even when that guy cuts you off in rush hour traffic. And then when you really get full of the Holy Ghost, when you're going to dance around a little bit, you'll even smile at that person who talks trash about you at work. Well, you know there's been a Holy Ghost move when you can do that. Hannah, when she saw how God had blessed her, she went into a praise. Now, you know, my mom's been gone for a while, but I can still remember that one of the very first things she taught me was when someone gives you something, she taught me to say thank you. But you know, it is really sad today that some church people don't have any manners at all. When God blesses you, when God gives you something, and you know it wasn't by might, and it wasn't by power, but yet it was by His Spirit. It wasn't your education. It wasn't your job. It wasn't what your Uncle Bob gave you. But when God gives you something, at least you can do is say thank you, and at least you can say thank you more than once. I know you're important. I know you've got status, but at least you can do is thank the Lord. Now, I can't speak for anyone in this room but me, but I have got so much to thank the Lord for. I've got so much to thank God about. And so I am going to thank Him. I am going to praise Him, and I dare you to thank Him for what He's done for you. And if you've completely forgotten about the clothes on your back, the air in your lungs, the food in your belly, at least thank Him for saving your sinful soul from burning in hell.
Man, we get spiritual amnesia so quick. And so Hannah is holding her baby, tears running down her face. A thank you, Lord, in her mouth. A hallelujah in her heart. A glory to God in her mind. And she's saying, "Woo! look what the Lord has done for me. And I understand. I understand why she'd be singing to the Lord. Because he had blessed her with a son. But wait a minute. Hmm. I guess my sermon so far really, really doesn't go with the text, does it? I must have confused two thoughts here. Hmm. See, our text, th this doesn't go with the text because anyone can say thank you after the blessing. Everyone ought to say thank you after the blessing. It's not hard for us to dance in the Holy Ghost after we get the new car or the promotion. But our text isn't saying once your arm is full to give him praise. Our text is asking empty arms, broken dreams, bank accounts that are overdrawn, the person who's overworked and underpaid, the person whose marriage isn't rosy, the person who hasn't received what they believe for. God is telling the barren church, I want you to sing. But Lord, my arms are empty. Sing anyway. Lord, I don't have a sign of pregnancy. He says, sing anyway. Lord, I'm not even sure that you are listening to me. He says, sing anyway. My God, things are getting worse instead of better. But the Lord says, sing anyway. Sing. God says, I don't want to hear from the married wife. I don't want the arms full to praise me. He said, I want empty arms to praise me. Sing, oh, barren woman. That means sing when all hell is breaking loose. Sing when trouble is everywhere. Sing when you don't know where to turn. Sing when you don't know where your next meal is coming from. We've been crying, we've been complaining, we've been murmuring, but friend, that's not going to work. We need to sing right in the middle of our adversity. Oh, barren, you who have not born, God says, I want you to sing at the top of your voice. God is telling us today, I don't want you to be like Hannah. I want you to be like Mary. Mary. In Luke chapter 1, verse 31, the angel appeared and said to Mary, You will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Well, see, the first thing she did with this information was she, she dealt with it in the natural. Because Mary said, Hey, hey, how can this be since I do not know a man? She said, Hey, I hadn't been fooling around. Don't look at me. And some of you here today think you're not going to receive what God has promised you because your natural situation doesn't line up with what God has planted in your heart. How can this be with a job I have? How can this be as old as I am now? How can this be when I didn't finish my degree? Well, Mary gets to the, 
gets it together back down by, down by verse 38 because she says, nevertheless, nevertheless, in spite of the circumstance, in spite of the situation, let it be according to your word. Let it be was not first coined by the Beatles. She said, in spite of it all, in spite of all the evidence, if you said it, God, I believe it. And see, Mary didn't wait until her baby was born to start singing. She started singing before the baby ever came. And when she started singing with no sign but a word, when she started singing over nothing but a declaration from God, the Holy Spirit came upon her and she was with child. I want you to know she sang her way into swollen ankles. She sang her way into stretch marks. She sang her way into bearing the very Son of Almighty God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, what does it say? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. God is saying you're going to have to make the first move. So many of us have been waiting on God, but God is waiting on us. And he is saying, I want you to act like you got it before you get it, and then that's when I'm going to give it to you. He says, if you act like it is before it is, then it shall be. Faith is getting everything ready before the miracle comes. God said, if you're believing for a meal but don't have the food, go ahead and set the table. Get the china out. Wash the silverware. Because, friend, you can't help what you don't have, but you can prepare everything you do have. So get ready. Prepare for your blessing. Nobody waits to paint the nursery until after the baby is born. God blesses people who act like he's going to bless them. And when you praise me like you believe me, God says, then I am going to bring it to pass. So sing, O barren, you who have not born. Praise him like it's already done. Praise him like you've already got the blessing. Praise God like you've already received the miracle. Praise him anyway, anyhow, in spite of praise him. It is going to happen. In spite of your problems, in spite of your tests, in spite of your trials, in spite of what you've been through, it will come to pass if God said it's going to come to pass. Moms, when you were getting ready to have your baby, you weren't bashful about sending the message. Everyone on that floor knew you were in labor. And I can guarantee you, you probably didn't look like you did on your wedding day either. You weren't worried about your makeup. You didn't care about your hair. You didn't even care about being modest because you had something in you that was trying to get out. Listen, church, because of what God has put in you, you don't have time to worry about anything else but delivering his promise. And I'm talking to someone in this room today, and there are things that God has put in your spirit and you've been carrying them around a long time 
And the devil has tried to convince you that it's not going to happen. Satan wants to do everything he can to crush your attitude because he knows your attitude can unlock your barrenness. But if God said he's going to fix it, God is going to fix it. God is working in your behalf. I understand you've been dealing with the same old stuff. I understand you've been walking around that same old mountain crying the same old tears, but the devil is the father of every lie you've ever been told. Don't let him talk you out of your breakthrough. Your breakthrough, your deliverance, your miracle is coming your way, and God, I want you to know by the power of the Holy Ghost, is going to straighten out that spouse. God is going to straighten out those wayward kids. God is going to heal your body. God is going to take care of your finances. God has not forgotten you. God let it be according to your word. I know Satan's been after you a long time. He's done everything he could to tie you up so you couldn't get your blessing. He wanted to shut up your gift. He wanted to shut up your talents. He wanted to shut up your mouth. He didn't want you to give God a praise. He didn't want you to get a real anointing because he knew that if you ever went into spiritual labor, God would bring his word to pass in your life. Ladies, when you were in labor, you wanted relief. You wanted some comfort. But the doctor wasn't concerned about that. Because when the pain was at its peak, when you didn't know if you could bear another second, that's when the doctor said, push! And see, some of you in this room today, you're in pain because someone has hurt your feelings. Some of you in this room today, you're in a financial crunch. But I want you to know today, God is telling you to push. When you're at the end of your rope, push. When you don't have anyone to encourage you, push. When depression is trying to take you out, push in the Holy Ghost. When you don't know which way to turn, push. And that's when God is going to birth your promise. Because if God spoke it into your heart, it will come to pass.